Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. I hit the button, which means this adventure has begun. There's no turning back. Not that you would want to based on the guest we have today. And it's like, I don't know how we get these guests. Is it Sam, the producer? I don't know. But this guy is an absolute badass. So let me tell you about him. Let me get a little introduction that we'll start learning from the best here. So this guy is a serial entrepreneur, sales and marketing leader, all the way from in the trenches on a cruise ship to rocking the stage at Dell, like every single thing in between, video content creator and thought leader. And he would even just say, man, I'm a storyteller. Uh, he is the host of many a podcast, the go-to-market this week, co-founder of Social Social, Nick Capozzi. Welcome, sir. Man, can you do all my PR? Yes. Okay, done. I'll be You're your hype man. Dude, have me come on Dell World with a boom box, you know? And I'll just be like. I like that. And then every time you say something, I'll just be like, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like so, that. So, dude, you're here. I you're, am. You're creating content. You're telling stories, podcasting, all these things. Tell me, what is the most important strategy for a great podcast? Make your guest as comfortable as possible. It's called inverse charisma. Hat tip to Zoe Hartsfield for teaching me this. When you are so curious about who you're talking to, you bring out their most charismatic and engaging self better than, than they can get there themselves. So that's, that's, if you want to make a great podcast, make your guests comfortable, get them relaxed. You know, it's interesting. I'll real quick. I'm already getting into rabbit holes, Casey, cause I'm excited to be here. Dude, I'm, I'm a rabbit. Let's do this. <laughs> um, I think what's really interesting is that we prep for podcasts, we prep for our guests, and then we kind of do like a little bit of rapport building or making sure we're talking about the right things. But rapport building is so important. And when we travel around and we capture like CEO interviews, I always budget at least 30 to 45 minutes to just shoot the shit with them, get them comfortable, talk about football, talk about the best restaurants in their city, everything except business. And then you slowly start pulling out the business questions because you change their mind frame, right? You, you flip the script on them. And I think that's one of the most effective techniques that very few people do very well. And if you want to differentiate as a podcast host, make your guests feel comfortable. And this, this can be easy or hard depending on who you're talking to, right? Like you could have a seasoned pro who's like, man, I am, I was, I woke up comfortable, you know? Um, and then you, and then you have someone who maybe it's their first podcast. And you have people that maybe think that you're going to get them somehow, you're going to trick them up, or you're going to ask them a surprise question. So we got a lot of these fears and concerns. What about rapport building just makes all that go away or smooths it out? Man, look, I just came from a really different background before I got into business-to-business technology sales. I was in business-to-consumer, so B2C, right? And B2C sexy is chicken wings and Nikes. Right. And, um, you know, the whole, so I worked in the cruise business and we were selling high end luxury goods. So like Swiss watches and big jewelry brands. And, you know, the reason that rapport building was so important was if you're, you know, where are you based Casey? You're in New England, New England. Yeah. New Hampshire. Okay. So you're in New Hampshire, you're flying down. So you drive to Manchester, you get on the plane, you're flying to Miami, 
You're yep. thinking about the sun, the ship, where you're going to have dinner, the islands. You're not thinking about the revenue departments, but if you are, you're thinking about the sexy ones, the spa, the casino. You're not thinking about duty-free shopping. So if I was going to get a big attendance at my event where I talked about all this duty-free shopping, I had to open everyone up. I had to get them comfortable and I had to build rapport. Where are you visiting from? Do you help finding your cabin? And all these ways that now we call in kind of the LinkedIn world and B2B giving value was what mm. we did. We were giving value. We were solving problems on those first day of the cruise, on the first day of the cruise. And man, I'll, I'll just, I'll give you a great example of what we used to do. Actually, no one else did this. This gave me an advantage. So the closest thing we had to a day off would be what we call turnaround day. So that's the ship leaves Miami, comes back to Miami. Everyone leaves, everyone gets back on. And in my job, that was as close as we had to a day off. And in this, you know, duty-free shopping role, we were department of one person. But the craziest place to be on a cruise, the, the place you don't want to be, is embarkation day when everyone's on from like noon to four at guest services. It's 200, 300 people deep. Everyone has kind of basic questions. They just don't know because half the people have never cruised before. So what I would do is, no one else in my job did this. The closest they had to a day off. But I was there at 1130 waiting for the all clear that they were onboarding new guests. And, and the hotel staff, so the hotel director, food beverage manager, housekeeping manager, were all there solving problems. But they were in a defensive position. They didn't want to be right. They didn't want to deal with the dad who flew in from New Hampshire, who's not used to being with the kids all day. They've been fussing on the airplane. He's not in the best mood. He's about to right. be. He just got on a cruise ship, but he's not yet. So what I would do is I would work that line. Again, everyone's in a defensive position. I'm playing offense. I'm trying to score goals. So what I would do is I would work the line and I would say, hey, pardon me, sir. I don't, I, I'm not guest services, but I just want to make sure you're in the right line. Can I just ask what your question is? Oh, great. You are in the right line. But let me see if I can pull anyone else to this line for you, sir. Next guest. Uh, are you in the right line? You know what? You don't actually need to be in this line. See that line across the hall with two people? That's where you actually want to be. So I just saved them an hour. And they would look at my name badge and say, Nick from Canada, what do you do? And it gave me the opportunity now mm. to give them my 30-second elevator, right? So that's what we did. I would solve problems on a cruise ship, make guests feel comfortable. Where are you visiting from? And as a Canadian, it was really interesting for me. It took me a while to realize this, but as soon as I did, it became like my go-to. Uh -oh. After, you know, their friends, their loved ones, and themselves, what Americans, painting with a broad brush, love to talk about is where they're from, right? It's very tribal. My college is better than your college. U of A? No, Arizona State. So, you know, a lot of my sellers were international, so they were from Serbia and Colombia. And how do you get them to start these conversations? So I would get them to just ask, you know, where are you visiting from? And then ask questions yeah. about that place. Like, I'm from Serbia. I've never even been to the United States. So then Miami, what's it like in Des Moines, Iowa? What's it like in Dallas? <laughs> what's it like in Detroit? And I would teach them to build this database of questions about those places. Ask a question about where that person's from, store it in your database. So next time you can open them up and say, oh, you're from Detroit. I heard I have to go eat X if I ever go to Detroit, right? Completely changed disarmed them, got them conversing, having conversations. So sorry, I went down a cruise ship rabbit hole, but it's, no, 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 it's just like, like I always do prep calls with people before the podcast. And, and I always have like, you know, I'm telling them about the show and the audience and questions. And I usually have like 15 minutes allotted for that. But that other 15 minutes is like time to chat about what you're chatting about, but yep. it's always been kind of random for me. So the idea of just even asking like, 
oh, what's it like there? You know, it, or just getting that database of locations is a sounds like a great starting point, especially when you already know that, you know, Nick's Pizza is the place to go. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, too, is like how many major U.S. cities do we actually sell into? Right. Chicago, Denver, New York. What do you know about those cities? Right. Right. Like if I'm getting on a call with you and you're in New Hampshire, and let's say I know where you are in New Hampshire. I'll Google that city. Hey, man, yeah. you guys got three feet of snow last week. That's why I live in Arizona, not Canada. <laughs> um, right. Just those little rapport building things. And I remember it shocked me because when I first got out of cruise, I started consulting on demos in tech. And here I walk into was a fintech company and, you know, really a lot to unpack. And I get on and everyone on their side is cameras off. They're not even camera on. And then yeah. it's like straight into, so let's, so this is what we learned in discovery. I'm like, discovery, where's the, how you doing? Right. And I had a lot of people who said, you can't do that in B2B. So I have found ways and I've really forced my way into ways of like having these conversations to make people comfortable, disarm them a little bit. And if you start getting on a personal level, they're more likely to turn that camera on, right? They're going to feel bad yeah. when they're talking about their kids or whatever. And now the camera's off. And one of the best stories I have for this is I noticed once going through someone's LinkedIn profile that they were a minor or um, a youth hockey coach. And I said, okay. I don't know, did you play? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big Whalers fan. I know the Hartford Whalers aren't around anymore. And we talked about the Hartford Whalers for 20 minutes. Next five minutes was a quick pitch. What's next steps? And I sold the deal. So, you know, that rapport building is so critical because at the end of the day, Casey, whatever you're selling, there's nine other companies selling that same widget. So there's 10 of us, right? But if you build a champion and get someone to like you, people buy from people they like, get someone to like you on the other side, you're more likely to build that champion. And oftentimes, because again, a lot of the products and services are very similar, you can rise into that top three, four, just out of the gates by building rapport with someone. So I'll get off my soapbox now, thanks. Well, I think it's one of those uh, underappreciated arts, right? Like people don't just randomly like each other. There's something they're doing, whether they're thinking about it or not. And some of us might be doing it accidentally. Yep. Uh, but to even just give it a little bit of intention to know what, where you're going with it, man, it's, it's like powerful. It's how, how have you, you know, and it sounds like, like that's really, that's the work. And then when it came to selling the deal, doing the interview, creating the video, like that all came secondary because you spent the time, you like invested the time up front. Now, for me, the reason I thrived in cruise was because like I was a hospitality guy. I was genuinely, I am curious, where are people from? I want to get to know people. Right. It was an easy thing for me, but I just felt it was a, a lost opportunity, right? Like I'll just give you an example. Uh, you know, you'd have, let's say, Virginia Tech was playing a football game that night and you'd see a whole family coming down this cruise ship hallway. Everyone's wearing like hokey sweatshirts, right? And yeah. I remember yeah, this guy from India saying, why are they all dressed the same? I said, there's a big football game tonight. Virginia Tech has a, a bowl game. He goes, what does that mean? Right? So I had to, mm. I had to get my, my sellers who were super talented, but didn't understand North American culture. I had to get them to understand you know, that each region was different in the United States and you couldn't lump Canadians into Americans or, or Mexicans into Americans. If we're talking about North America, right? You had to really distinctly break down what everything looked like. And I'll never forget, there's another story, but I was talking about this guy who does YouTube channels and he was originally from India. He lives in Canada now. And I said the same thing I said earlier, I said 20 to 25 U.S. cities, what do you know about them? He said, what do you mean? I said, what do you mean? What do I mean? 
He said, Americans are all the same. I said, no, they're not. Someone from <laughs> Dallas versus someone from Seattle or New York, New York versus yeah. Carlsbad, right? It's night and day. He said, are you kidding? I said, well, let me ask you. 1.2 billion people in India. Is someone from, you know, someone who's Tamil from Southern India, the same as someone who's Sikh from, you know, the, the Punjab region? He said, of course not. I said, it's the same thing, man. <laughs> right? So sometimes yeah, different. It, seems, it seems obvious when I talk it out. We don't think that way. We think of right. this beautiful country as like a melting pot, which it is, but it's also super regionalized. And I think it's just an opportunity to like, if you're curious about people, I think it's a great opportunity. And it's a great point. You're, you are curious about them. You're not, these aren't just like rando tricks we heard on a podcast that we're going to try right. to pull on people to like fake some rapport. Like if you are genuinely curious, you want to know where people are from or their story, it, like that, it's not, it's not magic, right? You, you do come with that curiosity built in. I do, but you can also train it. You okay, can train it with, with prompts. Well, again, it goes back to my, my team, right? So I'll go back to this, this young guy from India. And he was, this guy was so focused and wanted to be so successful. I was like, Nick, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I said, great. Let's start talking about the regions of the United States. So he was working in retail. People would come through his store. How do you open up that conversation as opposed to, can I help you? Or what are you shopping yeah. for? Or what gift do you need to bring home? So I went into the state thing and I said, look, ask people where they're from and say, what are, you, what are you passionate about? And he told me, I love food. I love different foods from all over the world. I said, great, perfect. I said, build the database in your mind. Every time you ask what state people are from, what's the one thing I got to eat in Mississippi, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, he came running back to me like a kid on Christmas. He's like, Nick, Nick, it works, it works. I said, tell me what happened. He said, I had this couple from Mississippi and I said, oh, I've never been to Mississippi, but I heard it's a, a, an underrated state. I love food. When I go visit Mississippi, what's the one thing I have to eat? And they said, catfish and hush puppies. Never forget that. And two things happened from that. One, they didn't buy that day, but he opened up a five-minute conversation to people who would have normally just walked right by him. So we had an opportunity now for the next la layer of questioning, which is discovery, right? Which we would pull in. Yeah. But the point is, he was essentially an SDR who just booked a meeting. And he did that by asking, but I said, here's the beautiful thing. I said, now, anytime you have someone from Mississippi, now you say, oh, you're from Mississippi. I love food. I haven't been, but I heard I have to try catfish and hush puppies and watch their reaction. So, you know, that's what we did because how do I train someone from, you know, Belgrade, Serbia, how to interact with Debbie from Des Moines, Iowa. I can't teach her though. I can't teach my, my Serbian seller, the whole history of the Green Bay Packers, right? or the Iowa, right. Hawkeye, Iowa Hawkeyes. But can you start to build the database? Because the other thing too, on a cruise ship, they were having sometimes 100, 150, 200 conversations in a day. So now yeah. to start asking that, well, now I've had 32 people from Texas. Man, that same day, I'm using what I just learned and applying it in my next conversation, right? Powerful. And everyone's got a story. So, so I love the transition to this bit because I know that you... You are just you know, exuding video. You're and you are like you've been a storyteller, man. So, talk to me about the the foundation of story, and then let's yep. let's get into how video and other things can really capture that. No, I'd love to, and I think there's a few key things when people start thinking about telling a story. Sounds good on paper. It's a nice to have, but once you really start to understand the power of a story, if I throw data at you right now, 
you might remember two of the 10 data points. If I tell you a great story that involves that same data, not only are you more likely to remember it, but you're more likely now as my champion to go back to your team and tell that story, if not exactly the same way, pretty close. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, I think, the key thing. Rapport building is key in storytelling. So when I would be on stage on a cruise ship, instead of, you know, most people did my job were like setting up the stage and getting all their props. And man, I did that an hour before. Now, 50, they would give me, according to SOP, I could have the mic in my hand 15 minutes before my presentation started. Man, I was there with my timer, waiting for the broadcast guy to give me that mic. Because I would just work the crowd. I would walk through the crowd. Where's everyone visiting from? What ports are you excited to go see? Did everyone find their cabin? Okay, cool. Um, so those, those ways to warm people up allow you to better lead into a story is also important. And then one of the key things I learned, especially in the B2B space, you are not the hero of your story. Your prospect is. And just look at your correspondence. How much of it is our solution? We can solve this. Us, us, us. Versus Casey. Do you experience this? Casey, have you ever struggled with this? Casey, tell me about, you know, how you handle X when it comes to Y. And, you know, anecdotally, I'll tell you probably nine out of 10 people get that wrong and make it about them, their solution. You are not the hero of your, yes, there's a story of the hero's journey. It's not you. Yeah. Um, another thing, and I, I'll, I'll unpack like how you can use visuals and, and video for that in a second. But another thing that's really interesting, I think, when it comes to telling a great story is that we get caught in the technical weeds, right? Yeah, and we're talking sure. our technical language, right? And the reality is it doesn't make the story memorable. What makes a story memorable is vivid imagery. What does that pain point look like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? And people are like, what? How do you do that? And I tell people, here's the challenge. Okay, I want you to tell me a quick story right now. You took a walk last night around your neighborhood. What did you see? I saw cars. I saw trees. I saw a couple walking their dog. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to tell that same story. Okay. So I was walking down the street and I saw, you know, these beautiful aspen trees. And the way that one of the things that it's so beautiful about aspen trees is the way that the bark kind of curls off, right? What does that leaf look like? Are you in Florida and it's like a waxy leaf? Or are you in Colorado when it's fall time, the leaves are, are crinkling up and really veiny because they're about to fall off the tree? What kind of dog did you see? Was it some sort of doodle? Was it a pit bull? Was it a mastiff? What color right. was it? What, what, what did the coat look like? What kind of cars did you see, right? Tell me about those cars. Did that, did that really cool car have really nice rims or was it a really cool car that had like stock rims, right? It's like the details really... Vivid Matter. imagery, vivid imagery changes everything yeah. because again, you're more likely if I, you know, you're now going to look at a leaf tonight and say, is it a waxy Florida type leaf, right? Which is something that if I just said, look at that leaf, you wouldn't have gone that step farther. And what that does is it allows you to paint the picture. So I challenge people, step back, listen to your conversation intelligence, whether you're using gong or chorus or whatever it is you're using. Take that conversation intelligence and start looking about, you know, go back to one of your calls. What did you talk about? How did you talk about it? Right. And start thinking, how could I have added vivid imagery to this? Casey, do you ever struggle with this? Like, Casey, we're talking about your pain point 
all right, Casey, you mentioned you're busy with a young family. If this really did, if our, if our tool really bought you back two hours a week, what would you do with your kids? Would you take them to, you know, this on the weekend? Would you do this with them? Right. And, and literally putting down the breadcrumbs for someone to follow you. And, and we talk about pain points, but pain is imagined until you make it real. Right. So there's something about about the, the challenge like that, the pain and those things that make story compelling, right? You need some kind of agitator in there, the sand in your shoe. Great Otherwise, you don't, rem- you don't really think about your foot until you've got the sand in there. You need yeah. that villain. Yeah. 100%. No, you nailed it. So that's, that's how I look at it. And I think that's how people need to tell stories. And then I think what you do is, you know, whether you're writing a LinkedIn post or whether you're writing a blog for marketing or, or frankly, the narrative of what is your go-to-market strategy and what does it sound like? Another great piece of advice on that is also when you're, when you're running stories, test drive them. Did they work? What's the body language? How did, how did the person in that gong recording, let's say now you've unrolled this story for the first time, was there a reaction? Did their body language change? Their facial features, did they move? <clears throat> so thinking about it that way. And then the next layer is, is using video, right? And that's part of what we do at Splice Video is you know, a big issue that B2B companies have is that they're talking about efficiency. They're talking about saving time and money. They'll tell you it's not saving time and money, but that's usually what efficiency means is saving time and money. But again, B2C sexy, right? I'm selling high-end Swiss watches to duty-free shoppers in the cruise business, right? That's sexy. Different, well, let me tell you about Raymond Weil. Raymond Weil is the last family-owned Swiss watch company. Um, gets people interested in following him. Now you add video and you add the visual elements of storytelling. So now you take that compelling story and now whether it's, I'm going to use a Vidyard or a Loom to follow up with my, with my prospect, um, or I'm going to use video to create inbound, right? Everyone knows you need to yep. be using video, but how do you make it engaging and enticing when it's about efficiency tools? And it's about how you yeah. tell the story and how you make it engaging, right? So we, yeah. did, uh, we did a promotion last year where we partnered with a gifting company and we were on this tour across the U.S. And every speaker, the partnership deal with the gifting company was they gave us one of the gift cards to give away, which was super cool, cool of them. But what we did was we kept capturing the reaction. So I'd say, Casey, mm. here's a gift card. Cool, nice to have. Cool, nice to have. Great, open your phone, pick what you want right now. And them going through it. At one point, we had like 12, 14 people in a room all doing it at the same time. And the reactions, and they're like, oh, I'm using it from REI. Or, oh, I was going to use a Sephora gift card for my wife, but there's Yeti in there. I'm getting Yeti now. (laughs) So what it was, was now the experience of them using the efficient, well, it's a gifting tool. But you, you follow me, like... Yeah. Now you're seeing the experience, not even a pain point. This is a value add, right? This is cool for sure. I'm not going to take a, a, a meeting for a $50 Amazon gift card, but if I took a meeting with you and you follow up with that, you know, I'm going to use it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. How, how do you, how do you capture that? The, the experience. Yeah. How do case, you capture the magic? I, th- I think a great way to look at it is think of it as a case study. Think of every conversation as a case study, right? Whether someone's using it, whether we think of case studies as very stock corporate, 
tell me about how great our company is. I don't want, that's not the picture I want painted. Tell me about your pain, Casey. Before you met Company X, they were talking about this case study today. What was your life like? Yeah. Okay, two, three hours a week. Man, tax season, you were doing an extra 20 hours a week before the solution. What did you lose in that 20 hours, Casey? What, yeah. You're not getting that time back. We trade work time for money for an employee. Yeah. But man, now with this new solution, you get that 20, what are you doing with that 20 hours? How do you spend <laughs> it? Oh, where did you take your kids? Right? I took yeah. them to Disney. I took them to, to an amusement park. Cool. Where'd you go? Oh, we went to Carlsbad, yeah. California. Carlsbad, did you go to Legoland? We did. Do you love Lego? Right? Seems silly, right? But pulling those things out and getting them, getting their real visceral reactions to the pain, to the experience, that's what you're trying to pull out. What happens is a lot of times I'll work with a marketing team and I'll get the narrative that they want me to go and interview someone with. And the problem is, it's very corporate, right? So I'll say, look, here's how we do this. I'm going to ask some of my questions and I'll make sure to ask your questions. The final product that we produce, it's about 25% their questions, 75% our questions that were pulled a la minute live while this was happening, right? So that's so key. And it goes back to your original question of like what makes, you know, a great podcast, making, yeah. your, guest, making your guests comfortable, right? Um, so, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it. So it's everything, everything is about an experience. Even if it's an efficiency tool, it's still about the experience of the efficiency tool. If you're listening to this podcast right now, this is an experience. You're experiencing something. You may have stopped yeah. on already. You're like, this guy's got nah. no value. Other people might think, wow, for me specifically, this is really interesting, right? How do I capture that reaction, right? So if you're listening to this in your car and take your phone and just send me a clip of you listening to this and your reaction. I'm kidding, but. But I think that's what, that's what I'm always trying to accomplish is that reaction that caught you, caught you, your guards down now, right? I don't think of it that way, but I think that's the best way to look at it. Reactions can be so natural, right? They can be, they're natural and especially when you're not expecting it and it's real and there's nothing quite like reality. Like I, I movies, books, you name it, when the thing even like some sci-fi, if it's like remotely plausible in the re but the reactions look genuine, like I'm in, right? It's yeah. it's when the actors or the the writers or the things you're reading or dot 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 your marketing and podcasts is when they have that element that doesn't quite seem real. You know, it's like yeah. they're they're an ex KG spy, you know? <laughs> and you're like, that doesn't seem real. Yeah. And What's I that? think too, to, it seems staged. And staged. I, I think to put the yeah. cherry on top of this, that's how I look at this. I look at this as theater. And yep. what I'm really trying to do with my prospect is pull them from across the table into my story. If they can visualize themselves in my story, they're much more likely to be receptive to it. There's something to delivery, right? Like you deliver this really well. Don't get me started. And, and so Dell is like, I don't know if we can even talk about that, but like you're, you're going to go speak at different places. Yeah. Random conferences. But like, what is about it? Because somebody could deliver the same content that you are and not be picked to speak on some stage or not 
Let me tell yeah, you, let me tell you about, about neuroscience, Casey. I'm just going to pick this up from you, buddy. Just hand me that baton because I can, I, we could just have a whole conversation about this. Casey, the last time you bought a new car and there was a brand you were looking at, maybe it's the one you purchased, either when you bought that car or right after, did you start seeing that car everywhere? Always. Yeah, Always, I've only right? owned one kind of car ever, so it's burned into my brain. Well, listen, it's nice to have Bentleys. So <laughs> why, do, why does that happen? The reason that happens is because we're so inundated with information our conscious mind tells our subconscious mind what's important. Those cars were always there before, but our subconscious mind gated our conscious mind and said, that's not important. But now you've told us it is. So now we're looking at it in a different way. Same thing happens with how you speak. So when I was in cruise, we did these presentations live and I trained over 800 people how to present live. And the way that I look at this is that's the major leagues and now doing this for video is little league. But what happens is, is that most people talk in the same tempo without inundating the same thing all the time. And the problem is that everything sounds the same. And what I'm telling my subconscious mind is that this is not important. But when I play with tempo and pace, so sometimes I'll talk really fast, but then I'll slow it down to really hit that point to the point where it's so slow that it feels uncomfortable and I must look awkward. And what happens is that's when cameras go on. That's when people are like, whoa, I was looking at a second screen. I don't know why, but my subconscious mind is telling me what you're saying right now is important. So yeah. that's what it comes down Pulls to. Pulls you out your email. Tempo, pace, when yeah. to pause. All of those things, right? And it's super easy to kind of acquire those skills. All you have to do, here's a great way to do it. Wait, wait, so, super easy. All you have to do is go and work on a cruise ship for a couple of years, right? Is that what you're going to say? Try a decade. Um, <laughs> no, but, but here's how I train people to do it. I would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. Take a Word document or whatever you want to type into and write out a 30-second script. Let's say it's your, your, your talk track for cold calling. Now, what I want you to do is the second sentence right before that, in parentheses, put fast. And the next sentence after that in parentheses puts slow. So I'm going to talk my normal script at the normal pace. But now this is going to be the really important part. So I'm going to speed up a bit. But because I want to catch you off guard, I'm slowing down. And then here's my call to action back at that normal pace. You, this does not just affect business. This affects your life. You want your partner to pay better attention to you? Do that. Speak that way, right? It's a game changer. And I was a trained broadcaster. I actually went to college, went to Humber College in Toronto for radio a long time ago. And I worked in radio and TV for about five years. And then one day at a party, someone said, can you do that radio thing on a stage? And I stepped onto a cruise ship in Miami. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is, they taught us that. That was basically yeah. college for radio was like, you know, years of learning how to ad lib, talk on the spot, mm. and then, you know, really capture the attention of the audience. Because with radio, we didn't have the visual. So now what I'm doing is I'm taking the visual element and adding the tone, the tempo, the pace. And that's, that's powerful. Very powerful. Where do you see this going? Like, fast forward, I do 50 podcasts. It's a year later. Yep. Where is story and where is video and where are all these things going? Well, we're doubling down on all these things every year. Video is becoming more important. 
So here's my argument to you. People think, oh, there's so many people on LinkedIn. There's not. There's way more people than there was two years ago, three years, or even, you know, six months ago. But the reality is, is most people are posting. Cool. So according to LinkedIn, I don't know how old this data, this piece of data is. Let's say it's, I think it's, I read it maybe three An hour ago. ago. Totally. You okay. heard it here. Well, brand new. Heard it here first. But according to LinkedIn, they consider an active user someone who logs in at least once a week. And according to LinkedIn, 1% of active users post ever. So right away, you have the opportunity to just do text-based posts. But what percentage, and there's no number on this, but what percentage of that 1% post video? Not from a company page, but personally. How often does Casey post video? I'm going to say maybe 2 maybe 3% of people out of that 1% are posting video. So that's the opportunity. And if you're listening to this right now. I mean, 1% post ever? Yep. So 99% don't post ever? Your lurkers are the people who buy. Wow. It's of the 1%, 3%-ish. That's a gut call for me. That's a, that's a, the, the first that's, one is. Yeah, it's a, it's a yep. gut. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And here's what I challenge you. After this po- don't pause this podcast after it's over. Open up your LinkedIn on your mobile phone and start scrolling. And how many people are A, posting videos, but then have a second piece, a second data point. How many of those are good, right? Mm. How many of those have good lighting? How many of those, you know, is the person that they have a good quality mic? Are they in their bedroom with a bed unmade? I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Or Dude, when do you don't have- make your bed and you have a messy room, you know, I've been there, but you're filming this thing. So, right. I mean, it's, you're letting people into your home, man. So you want to let people into your home or you want to let people into your studio. You can find a little corner, a little slice in your house where you make look cute. Right. Or if you're in your office, another great tip, lines and levels, bookcases of books. Great. A a piece of art and then some, a mirror and not great. Confuses people. People are drawn to lines and levels. So, um, if you got a really nice office, do that. How's the camera positioned on you? I had so, I was so inundated with questions on this. And I used to try to respond to everyone that yeah. now social, social is a social media think tank that I co-founded with Will Aiken and Jen Allen. And I just sent people Shout to out there. to Jen Allen. Yeah, we the love best. Jen. Jen Congrats. Is, Jen is one of the, both Jen and Will are, are actually, they're my business partners because they're two lovely human beings. Um, but, you know, the idea being that uh, I had to just fund. There were so many people who were like, should my camera look this way? Should I tilt 10 degrees up? Should, should I be lit from the side? Should I be lit from the small things? And there's this one, this one woman who, you know, reached out to me maybe a month ago and she was really lit from the side, from a, from a window in her house. <laughs> and, you know, she was using her default microphone on her laptop and it just, I'm like, look, the content itself is great, but the reality is even if you get me to push play, I'm probably going to stop playing it in about three seconds. Now, all she did, upgraded her mic, got a light and positioned it really well, and then blocked off that natural lighting. And now Mm. looks like she's in a $5,000 a day studio. And it looks amazing. And now her content, she was having one, two, three likes. She's posting videos every day. And now she's getting 30, 40, 50 likes. This is in weeks, weeks and a month, not an extended period of time. So there is absolutely, without question, a massive opportunity 
to create content either as an individual or for brands. Even better, can you get your company to create great brand content and then enable your go-to-market team to create their own content? You do that together and you get gong. Yeah. All right. Give me the rant. Give me like the 30-second rant so you never have to ever answer this question ever again because you just point people at this 30-second clip that we're going to splice into the world. What do you do with your video? Where, where do you put your camera? What are they messing up? What are they messing up with the lights? Okay, here's what you want. What do we do? First thing, first thing you want, real quick tutorial. Put me on a timer here, 30 seconds. First thing you okay, want. Okay, okay. All right, let's get, uh, get the timer app out. You want 30 seconds or you want 60 seconds? Cause... Give me 30. I'll get it done in 30. Okay, 30 seconds. Let's see here. Zero minutes and... 30 seconds. You ready? Three, two, one. First thing, you want your camera tilted down 10 degrees at you. It needs to be aligned with your face. Like a lot of people have it way too high and it looks like I'm looking down at you. You want it to be essentially eye level with a 10 degree tilt. Natural lighting is always your best option. So go find that bay window and look at how you look. If that you will make video, if you feel you look good, and if you light yourself, you will look good. So natural lighting is your friend. Just make sure it's head on. If you can't have that natural light head on, get two soft boxes. That's all you have to look up on That's Amazon. Time. Okay, give me another 30 seconds. <laughs> They're 35 bucks each. You place yeah. bird's eye view, 10 degrees off your webcam. Those soft boxes, don't use a ring light. Don't use, it's too strong. It's not, it's, oh, yeah. you need a diffused light. Two soft boxes, they're $35 each on Amazon. And either do one of two things. If you have a lot of echo in your room, get a good mic. You can get a Blue Yeti for about 75 bucks, which is a great entry-level point. This Shure SMB is uh, 220-ish, totally worth it. Um, but if you don't have an echo, just get that Blue Yeti. There you go, 60 Boom. seconds. Done, 60 seconds. Boom. Never again. Now, if not anyone ever me. asks you to answer that question ever again on any podcast, you may now defer them to this episode. I'm just a helper, though, Casey. It was more to guard my time. No, but it's true, though. I'm like, oh, you need help with video? Got you. Now it's like, hey, can you, can you drop by social social and put it in the group chat so I can answer that for everyone, please? And totally. then what was also interesting, when we're going to splice video, start doing this regularly, um, but I did an open office hours, and we had 30 people show up, and I said, whether you're a brand marketer uh, looking to create content for your company or you're a solopreneur, real estate agent wanting to improve your video, come to this. It's not recorded. It's uh, safe space. We're all showing our videos off and I'll critique them and I'll give you great ideas of what to talk about, how to talk about, how to capture it, how to edit it, whether you want, again, solopreneur or you need essentially a media turnkey media company, we'll guide you through their one. Great. Let's talk about where people can get that because like, at that point, they're like, all right, Casey, shut up and tell me where I can find these things. So what you just described, yeah. where do we people go to, to get that? How do people connect with you and how do people get all that juicy info? So uh, first thing is definitely on LinkedIn, Nick Capozzi. There's a little video camera at the end of my name from Splice Video. Socialsocial.io if you want to join our super active Slack channel. If you're trying to grow your own brand or you have company brand questions, how to use social media, how to use content, socialsocial.io is great. If you want video, hit me up. Best bet is on LinkedIn, or you can check us out at splicevideo.com. Currently, I don't know when you're posting this. Our website is uh, dumpster fire. We're working on it. Don't judge us by that. 
But if you need a couple of reels, I'll send them to you. <laughs> Perfect, man. Nick, thank you so much for coming on here. We had the speed round. We really went deep on story, on people, on rapport, connection. I love it. Thank you so much. Man, are you kidding? It was a pleasure. I'm glad we connected. And anytime, Casey, you need me, you got me. Totally. Totally. We got to hang out and we got to find out what is the one food to get when I'm visiting you out, out west, out southwest. Listen, you come there, there. So there's a lot of what I call American restaurants here in Phoenix, but I will take you for the best Mexican food you have ever had right here in Phoenix. I got all the spots. By the way, if you ever, if you listen to this, you come to Phoenix, this is not a joke. I pick people up at the airport. Don't take an Uber. It's Phoenix's finest taxi service. It's free. We will pick you up. We'll shoot content as we drive. Dude, I love it. I love it. You need to have that everywhere. You need to have that in every major location. Uh, so cool. Uh, for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking knew you did because I literally have two pages of notes front and back over here. Uh, share this with someone else. One person, nine people, 3,000 people. Have fun with it. Get that stuff out there. And go fix your video. Get some lights. And again, dude, thanks for coming on here, man. It's been fun. Hey, Tom Kiss. All right, everyone. Creating the greatest show. This has been super cool. A lot of fun. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum. <laughs>